0: out strange from the other side of cinema. I am Mark Dickerson.
1: And I'm Jeremy Fink.
0: And today we are going to conclude our series on Peter Jackson, entitled Before Middle Earth, the early films of Peter Jackson.
1: We're going to move on to Jackson's final early film in our series, The Frighteners, from 1996. There has been a
0: destructive force unleashed on this town such as I have. Never oh my God,
1: I don't believe this. this is not happening!
0: We have got a poltergeist!
1: Okay, well, folks, I can do a clearance, but it's not gonna be cheap. Although I do offer a six-month guarantee.
0: The Frighteners from 1996. This is Jackson's most ambitious film to date. I think it's pretty safe to say. Uh, you have Robert, Robert Zemeckis as an executive producer, Danny Elfman doing the music. I mean, this is a purely Hollywood production at this point for Peter Jackson. But having said that, this is still Peter Jackson we're talking about. And I still think he found a way to to make his style and his humor prevalent throughout it. And it's still written with his uh, life partner, Fran Walsh. He still filmed in New Zealand, though it was made to look like parts of the Western U.S. Um, And so to just give a little background... The Frighteners is a horror comedy film, and it it centers on the character played by Michael J. Fox. Uh, His name is Frank Bannister. And he develops abilities to speak and communicate with the dead following uh, a car crash where his wife dies. And you find out more about that as the film goes. And basically, he creates his own service for people, service in quotes, where he (laughs) uh, hustles people, uh, you know, making them think that their house is being haunted. But really, he's just, you know, since he's affiliated with ghosts, he basically convinces them to haunt different locations. And then he comes in and saves the day. So he's a very, uh, very cynical character. I actually thought his character was the most interesting part of the entire film mm-hmm. because there's, there's there's layers to him and he, he's kind of like struggling with a lot internally. Um, but in the end, this film is a comedy. I want to call it an action movie as well. It's it's sort of an action comedy, mm-hmm. especially what it progresses into. Um, so that's the gist. And obviously things progress. Um, there's a, a there's actually a lot of plot details. There's very a, busy plotting. Um, it's a, a very, very busy plot. I, I would say probably a little too busy for my taste, but there's uh, you know so there's that plot of him hustling customers, and then Death. it delves into <laughs> Death uh, one up. of the customers, one of the customers that he becomes, I guess more romantically linked to eventually, but he becomes uh, linked with them, and then whose husband dies, and then there's also a grim reaper character who's a ghost of. Uh, a mass murderer who comes back and, and, and starts to murder people who so maybe has something to do on. with,
1: who maybe has something to do with the Manson family and is, yeah, it's, it's, it's some, a very, it's a little convoluted.
0: Yeah. It's a little convoluted. That's, that was my major problem with it. It kind of, it goes a little bit too many places. Cause I thought that core narrative of, of the main character, the way he's swindling people and, and his internal struggle. I thought that, like I said, again, is the most interesting aspect to me. Um, and I kind of wish they focused on that a little bit more, but it's almost like there in the beginning and then it kind of goes off into this kind of crazy action
1: story. Yeah. And, and to, know, to know where this film is coming from, I think we maybe need to look at the background a little bit. So initially, sure. so, so Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson uh, collaborated on the writing of this film. Um, And it was originally going to be produced and directed by Robert Zemeckis, who, of course, did Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, and, you know, a slew of other huge, huge Hollywood movies at that time. You know, he was the hottest thing in town. And it was supposed to be directed by him as a Tales from the Crypt uh, spinoff, which you can definitely Mm -hmm. see that a little bit kind of in the 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 zany horror, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Um, yeah, but Zemeckis thought that the material would be better suited to Jackson's direction, um, which I, I mean, ultimately, I think it was I have a very hard time seeing Robert Zemeckis directing this uh, stylistically. Um, but but really, the thing that this film is most notable for is its special effects, um, which well, it's it's yeah. digital special effects. Um, at the yeah, time, I definitely
0: want to talk about that, because it's <laughs> somewhat jarring introduction of CGI in this film, because it was I'm not sure if it was used at all in Heavenly Creatures at all. Probably not. It probably uh, a little was bit. I think some of some of the a stitching, some of the like okay. the uh,
1: the fantasy sequences. Mm.
0: But obviously, it's used to a much larger extent in this film. And I don't know. What do you think of the CGI in this film?
1: I mean, I thought it was probably very believable at the time. You know, it was probably as good as <laughs> it was, anything. It was
0: still fairly, yeah, still fairly new at yeah. the time. You know,
1: I mean, you, you think about it, we we get used to effects. It's it's like how we talk about you know on the Peter Jackson thing, like a movie like King Kong the original King Kong, how people Mm -hmm. totally believed it then, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, like we, we kind of accept what we see at the time. And then years later, it doesn't necessarily hold up as well, but I'd imagine in 1996, these effects were, Mm -hmm. you know, as good as anything out there.
0: Well, the thing for me is, I mean, huge blockbuster movies had already come out using CGI to a great extent, like Terminator 2, Jurassic Mm -hmm. Park, and the CGI, it was actually done well in those films. I mean, full disclosure here, I'm going to come right out and say it episode two, I do not, like cgi i'm not a fan of cgi nor am i (laughs) um yeah i I would imagine so unless used in a very subtle way and yeah if it's used to enhance certain things i mean if it's done yeah even jurassic park i thought they paid a lot of uh, attention to detail and it's used pretty sparingly for the most part (laughs) um and they also incorporated animatronics you know with that And i love you know animatronics and practical effects i mean makeup that's the kind of stuff that i love which is why i i love jackson's early early films mm-hmm. so much that we discussed the the hands-on approach one. because yeah the hands-on approach and the homemade quality i just i really love about that um so this is very like i said jarring I, to me at least with the cgi there's a kind of overabundance of it in par- in certain parts uh and it's just a little janky and messy looking but you know it, it was 1996 so mm-hmm. take take that still, into account still in but, yeah infancy. i'm just not a fan of, yeah, but like I said, full disclosure, not a fan of it of CGI, so that kind of took me out of the film a little bit more. Yeah, um, it
1: is interesting though. In terms of the CGI, in my research, what I found is that uh, the, the so the company Weta, W E T A, that we had discussed yeah. on our last episode, they so they they did the uh, they did the effects on this as they have continued to today do the effects on Jackson's movies, but they were running a little bit behind schedule, so they brought in a man named Wes. I'm gonna mispronounce this. Takahashi, I believe West Takahashi of George Lucas's company, Industrial Light and Magic, uh, to, to kind of speed things up. Um, so that that I mean that is a notable thing, just kind of that combination there. Once again, you know we're really seeing, even even though he said at the time he wasn't, we're really seeing for the first time Peter Jackson, being integrated into the Hollywood like the big blockbuster kind of Hollywood community. Mm-hmm. Um, and this and this yeah. is a this is a big film, you know. Uh, the the budget was, I believe good. on this was what thirty million dollars, um, mm-hmm. but with we that, to date. yeah, this was also or somewhere somewhere in that, but it was also uh, his first box office bomb, really. Um, yeah, and maybe and it was interesting it.
0: because the studio was so behind it as as you mentioned to me earlier um, off we were not recording, but uh, I thought that was interesting to talk about how how just how behind it the studio was for this film. Yeah, they were seeing things ended up.
1: They were seeing his rushes and his dailies. And, and we're just totally blown away.
0: Yeah. And they actually, I was going to talk about this later, but I'll bring it up now. They, The studio was behind it, and they also granted Jackson and Zemeckis total artistic control mm-hmm. and the final cut of the film, which is pretty rare. Especially such a, for a movie that a lot of studio it. involvement, yeah. So mm-hmm. they really trusted them. And when, I guess when their returns were not what they were expecting, then that led to it's all about the mighty the mighty dollar, (laughs) exactly so um yeah they actually means sorry
1: well they were actually so one thing i I learned too is they were so excited about this film that of course peter jackson is a huge huge king kong fan as we've talked about multiple times on here it was you know the movie that kind of inspired his whole career and as we know he went on to later make remake king kong in 2005 um but at the time, this was nineteen ninety six. Because the studio, I believe Universal, was the studio behind it, was so excited about what he was doing, they told him that he could that he would get green lighted to make a King Kong movie. And then when they saw how poorly this was doing in the box office, which you know, obviously, you can probably hear from our tone of voice, this isn't our favorite Jackson film. Well, I speak for myself. I yeah. assume Mark, not yours as well. <laughs> um, and it was okay, but. But uh, what happened is they they told him he could do King Kong and then when they saw the film come out and not do well, they actually took back their offer for him to be able to do that
0: yeah yeah it's uh and also the the shooting of it was very strenuous from what I read uh, it was it was actually the longest shooting schedule ever approved by Universal Pictures at the time really so again, they were you know they full steam ahead yeah let's make this movie do you know the number of um, days they were on for this one i it's well i have the dates it was it shooting began on may 14th 1995 and lasted until november 16th wow which yeah that's that's pretty long that's um, a very that's
1: a very long yeah. <laughs> so especially for all the well, makeup and everything of, like the, the right, actors must a lot have of been it, suffering <laughs>
0: Exactly. A lot of it, it, apparently it was held a shoot because there were so many, you know, effects involved. There was a a lot of CGI, digital effects, which were still, as we mentioned, relatively Mm -hmm. new, um, especially to do a film with so many of those effects. Um, And a lot of the cast, a lot of the main characters are actually ghosts. So people were acting against against blue screens and they were acting by themselves. And so it just made it very strenuous um, and very complicated to, to complete. And also the fact you mentioned the, the, the special effects company, Weta Digital, I think that's how you say it. Um, they were ver- I mean? relatively new at the time. So they were, I believe, only three years old um, at that time. So that was stressful, I'm sure, for them to take yeah. on such a big project like that.
1: Well, also in terms of, because I read a little bit about how they actually did the scenes with the ghosts, um, which is something yeah. that, I mean, notably we, we do see in, especially in Lord of the Rings, the uh, return of the King, you know, we see, we see those, uh, I forget what they're actually called, but the, like the ghost kings, um, who are, you know, the green ghost-like figures. And they look, actually, if you look at them, it, it seems like they were probably done in the same way as this movie. But yeah. what they did is they would shoot the real actors on location or, you know, or on a soundstage. Um, and then what they would have to do is they would have to be very precise with their movements. And then they would shoot other actors to play the ghosts on a blue screen later on. And then they'd have to lace them together um, which obviously means you're shooting every scene twice. So, it, it, I mean, it makes sense that this ended up being a, what, a six-month shoot, um, mm-hmm. but obviously, you know, taxing on everyone involved.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this film, really, for Jackson, it, it, as we've been alluding to, this is his most ambitious film to date. And for him, it was a huge opportunity. Uh, f- he said, you know, it was an opportunity to show what New Zealand filmmaking could do. Pretty much, you know, he wanted to represent for New Zealand and and show that, hey, we can make a big, expensive blockbuster action comedy, you know, so he took on a lot more responsibility because of that than maybe he would have normally or than than most filmmakers probably would, because the executives at Universal actually proposed splitting some of the shooting to visual effects companies um, in the United States. But Jackson, you know, wanting to represent for New Zealand, he wanted mm-hmm. to keep everything in-house. And I think maybe that might be why the film doesn't work as much, or at least for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was too much going on behind the scenes as well as in the, you know, in this actual plot. Uh, maybe it was just way too... I'm sure this was super stressful to film. It must have been. Um, and there was yeah. a lot riding on it for Jackson.
1: So. Yeah. Just, it just seemed like a lot of ideas going on on every level, mm-hmm. both in front of the camera, on the script you know behind yeah. every everything it just seemed a little a little busy and am- ambitious clearly i mean i think everything mm-hmm. that jackson has done you know he he's not someone who repeats himself you know he's incredibly ambitious mm-hmm. um regardless of what he's doing um but sometimes yeah. obviously that doesn't always result in the greatest success when you take a risk like that
0: exactly and he, he it was definitely a big risk and for him you know we we've touched on this a lot just how gory and gruesome his earlier films were I mean, a lot of it's done for comedy, but, you know, they're quite, uh, quite gory. So it's interesting to see this film. He actually was trying to go for a PG-13 rating, Mm. which for him seems kind of crazy. Did he get it, Um, though? It it was this was 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 released as an R. Yeah, this was released as an R. Um, Even though Jackson fought for it to be PG-13, they did not give him that rating. Um so because he he actually tried his best to omit a lot of the graphic violence from it. I mean mm. it's not that violent of a movie in the end. There's some no. moments that are but um, so it still has an R rating. I guess cuz it's it's dealing with a lot of dark subject matter and stuff. I think that's more why. Mm-hmm. It's um, not too much not too much bad language or anything like that. So yeah, um it's so for him this was a huge gamble. It was different for him. I think it was the most different out of all his films even with Heavenly Creatures uh in in the mix, I would say that this is probably his biggest departure that we've seen yet, at least in my opinion.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, but this was the film that, that preceded, so like we said, this is the last in our series because this is the film that preceded mm-hmm. what Jackson ultimately went on to be known for, which is Lord of the Rings. Um, so that, I mean, that it's an interesting transition. It does seem like this movie, even though it wasn't as huge of a success, was a little bit of a stepping stone. Uh, to show that he could get out of that indie world and really command something big.
0: Did you have, I mean, we talked about how this is not our favorite of his films, but mm-hmm. was there anything uh, that stood out to you that you found interesting or that you maybe enjoyed on a certain level? From uh,
1: I really enjoyed the museum scene. Uh, there's a scene mm-hmm. when uh, the this Grim Reaper character, this ghost-like character, comes into an art museum, and, and I'm a huge, huge art nerd in general. Um, so there's, there's a, it's, it's an art museum or like a natural history kind of museum, but there's an exhibition on ancient Egyptian, uh, you know, tombs and all that jazz. And, uh, so there's these ghost characters who, who are main character Bannister can see, but not everyone else can. Um, and they basically come into this museum and start lifting up, uh, these, these mummies and making them move around. And it just, it just felt very kind of playful. Uh hmm. to me and and I think that maybe where this movie missed the mark is it it, it was playful but not playful enough or not serious enough it kind of it was like t- towing that line in both directions yeah. but never really committed. Um so that that was a scene and I almost kind of wish that more of the movie had lived in that playful kind of fun area. I
0: totally agree. I totally agree. Because to me this is Jackson's take on the Ghostbusters, right? I mean yeah, a in bit, a way yeah. it's it's Ghostbusters amped up to 11 in a way, but Maybe more cynical, like even, even though I consider Ghostbusters a pretty cynical movie in, in certain ways, mm-hmm. um, but it also has that heartfelt, um, you know, real desire to, uh, I guess, understand the unexplained. And, you know, it does take take its subject matter seriously. But with this, it's more of like a cynical like, OK, I'm going to, you know, screw these these people over who think I'm really uh, a poltergeist or or I'm sorry who think I'm really going to exercise as poltergeist, you know? Mm -hmm. So it kind of comes at it from that aspect, which I thought was interesting. And if they had just focused on that aspect, I think it would have been a lot more effective. Um, But that's not a studio movie, (laughs) but that's not a studio movie. It's right. Yeah. Um, And like I said, I did appreciate the complex, the complexity of the main character played by Fox. I actually thought Michael J. Fox was really good in this movie. Yeah. Um, It actually ended up being, I think his last like major role before Mm -hmm. he um, retired from acting. But, um, and also to be on another positive note, because I do want to say positive things when I can Jeffrey Combs, uh, the main actor from the, the reanimator films, mm. he gives a very interesting uh, unhinged energetic performance in this movie. He plays a character called Milton Dammer and he kind of stands out for me from the rest of the characters. He He attempts to expose Fox's character for what he believes he really is and and just, he's super unhinged and, and fun to watch in this movie. And I don't know if you've ever seen the reanimator films, Jeremy, but... Yeah, I've I seen really, the first reanimator film. Yeah, yeah, and those are really fun to watch. And he's he's fun to watch as an actor. So I, I like those aspects. Um, and there are some interesting th- things going on with the plot. I mean, it's, it's, as we said, a little too messy as a whole. And a little too chaotic for its own good. And by the end, I think it turns into an all-out action movie, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I, and, and, I, I will and, and, say...
1: An yeah. important, an, an important film nonetheless, though. You know, an important, important film in his filmography, but maybe yeah, skipped it, over a little bit.
0: Yeah, you have to factor it into if you're going to look at his filmography. You have to look at it, but uh, personally, I feel it is the weakest of his films up to this point. Mm-hmm. Especially after Heavenly Creatures, it's a bit of a come down. I thought yep. from that film's pure vision and confidence, you know, on its its confident take on its material. I mean, it and it, the thing is, with this this one, Jeremy, it would be easy to blame the somewhat failure of this film on the studio mm-hmm. but the fact that peter jackson supposedly had final cut no. and had a lot of had so much involvement in this film i mean it means that there's likely more to it than just yeah just the studio yeah. telling them what to do so, i think we could maybe pin
1: pin the financial failure on the studio you know in the way they yeah, they promoted possibly, but yeah. in terms of creatively you know it, yeah. it just felt like uh, mark might have been missed a little bit on this guy
0: it never really feels like it's grounded in any sort of reality, also, to me. It, it felt like it was, mm-hmm. yeah, like we said, two all over the place. Um, but, and also not Danny Elfman's strongest score, I thought. It was kind of no. kind of generic score. <laughs> but now we're nitpicking. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's one good line I want to mention before we move on. Um, and it, it comes from the character Dammer, actually. He says, I'm an asshole with an Uzi. I thought that was pretty good. Mm. <laughs> no, that was great. <laughs> so there's at least one good, and, that, and that's like moments like that where it's like kind of being cheeky and like having fun. I mean, that's, that's when the movie works the most. Like a, as we mentioned, yeah. Personality. when the having, when it's, yeah, when it's having fun is, is when it works. So this is, uh, as we said, the last of the, of the films, uh, that we're going to talk about for Peter Jackson for the time being, at least any, uh, any and, final
1: and, thoughts looking at the, the series as a whole, Mark?
0: series as a whole um well i mean just there's lots of through lines that run throughout and while his films particularly from the first three to these two that we just discussed during this episode while it deviates wildly um i'd say that there's still enough there you know as we said in the last episode jackson is an auteur i mean we can consider him that and for lots of reasons you know he he has a certain type of style and humor um, the use of camera work, uh, the way the camera moves and the angles. He has these very extreme angles mm-hmm. that he uses uh, with his camera work. And that kind of goes even throughout uh, up until Lord of the Rings. I, You know, you still see it in, in Lord of the Rings, particularly in the Fellowship of the Ring, the early scenes in the Shire. You can really see a lot of that kind of handheld, quirky angles, you know, the, the way the camera moves and stuff. You, you can see a lot of that in Lord of the Rings. So... Even though he's working with a much bigger budget and a lot of things are different, um, I th- I think there's there's things that that persist throughout all his films, and I think he's just a very enjoyable filmmaker in general, whether he's making Hollywood blockbusters or you know movies in his backyard.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that these films are, are just they're they're important for uh, younger filmmakers to see in particular, um, just because he he's an inspiring an inspiring character. Uh, Jackson is. Just for the way he approached films, it seems like no challenge was kind of too big, and he wasn't afraid to just, it was, uh, I think it was Francis Ford Coppola said it, you know, if you want to make a movie, just start making it, and then everyone else and all the pieces will come later. And I think Jackson really exemplifies that attitude in these movies, because it seemed like whatever he wanted to do, he kind of just went to town and found a way to make it work. Um, so really, really excellent.
0: It was certainly interesting to watch his progression, too, just watching all these films together, because I-, I had seen Group. them all except for the Frighteners. I, I think I've maybe seen parts of the Frighteners, but I've seen all these films prior to this, but watching them all together again in order, and you, you really see the progression that Jackson had as a filmmaker. So that was exciting to watch, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Did you notice anything about that when you were watching all these yeah. films together?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you really see just the sophistication, particularly, I think, peaking in Heavenly Creatures, obviously within yeah. this set of films, and then really going to the next level in Lord of the Rings. Just the, the visual storytelling and the subtlety, you know, obviously bad taste doesn't have a lot of subtlety going on. it's, it's very in your face. Right. And no, and I think exactly. <laughs> I think even as like like kind of with every film, uh, until Heavenly Creatures and through that, it really you, you just see the the little moments just kind of growing and growing and growing to the point where just you know, the, the way he can direct an actor. I also think he grew as an actor's director significantly in his time. I would agree with that. Definitely definitely. really learned how to direct actors. So yeah, no Mm -hmm. good to just good to see always, always good to see the progression of a career. Um, and, and Peter Jackson is one of the finest filmmakers I think we've probably had, you know, in the past 20, 30 years. Um,
0: Well, there you have it from cult movies to Lord of the Rings. doesn't get more, (laughs) more mainstream than (laughs) that. that. Um, so that's an interesting, uh, look at Peter Jackson and his films. Uh, we're going to, stop it there because obviously Lord of the Rings is a whole different realm and a different the realm. remake of King Kong and all that yeah. so we're going to move on to another series um, still in the works of what that's going to be but we're excited to, to delve into a, a, new, a new subject so please come back and, and listen and, yeah. and we hope you enjoy what you've heard so far if you could go ahead and give us a like uh, we would really appreciate it um, give us a review on iTunes uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook Cult Movie Cult And we'll put all the links in the description. And thank you so much for spending some time with us.
1: Yep, you've been listening to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. This has been our series Before Middle Earth, the early films of Peter Jackson, and we will see you next time on The Other Side.